penalties, appeals and reliability issues. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was full of it all. So get ready because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Sarah and today I'm going to be talking about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The drivers and the teams headed out to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia to race on the streets of Jeddah during the second round of the 2023 season. And I don't even know where to start with this one guys. Saudi felt like a pretty busy race weekend, there was a lot going on and I can't say I'm really surprised by it. There's always been something going on either on track or off of it during Saudi and this year proved to be no different. So I'm going to start on a Wednesday which isn't officially a part of the race weekend but I swear F1 isn't built to give you any kind of peace, even when the drivers aren't racing. This time, Ferrari decided to ruin whatever inner peace I had before the weekend by coming out and saying that Charles was going to be facing a 10-place grid penalty this Sunday because they were going to have to replace his control electronics. It was going to be the third time that this had happened this season, which meant he was going over his allowance. And I know, I know I was expecting this to happen. His DNF in Bahrain didn't exactly inspire any hope in me for this season as a whole, to be fair, not just the coming races. But as much as I was expecting it to happen, I was still a little bit in shock. How are we only two races into the season and this man is already getting grid penalties for exceeding the amount of parts allowed on his car? Two races, guys. That's all we are into the season, and we're already seeing grid penalties. I feel like, as a collective, we're all just expecting this to happen to Ferrari now, and especially with Charles. I swear, if he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. It was just beyond disappointing to hear the news, guys, but like I said, I was expecting it. The news of new parts didn't end there though, of course it didn't end there, as we went into free practice one on Friday. Checo was taking on a new gearbox, a new energy store and a new control electronics, Lando and both the Ferraris were taking on a new ICE, Lando and Charles were taking on a new MGUH, and then there was also a new turbocharger for Lando, and then Max also had a new gearbox in place for the weekend. So, quite a few changes for only the second race of the season. Ferrari have said that they only changed the ICEs as a precautionary measure, but to me that sounds like they're still not entirely sure why Charles DNF'd in Bahrain, and that's also what the rumours are saying right now. It's just not comforting news for any Ferrari fan, any Carlos or Charles fan, it's just not great. I genuinely don't know how much longer it's going to take for them to try and figure out what was wrong with the engine, and then after that, how long it's going to take for them to fix it. Maybe it's a good thing that there's such a big gap between Australia and Baku. At least it gives the team more of a chance to actually figure out what the problem is and get a fix in place, even if it's just a band-aid for now. Moving away from the cars for just a second... 
Friday also came with the news that after seven years, Lewis and Angela were going to be parting ways. Angela has been by Lewis's side as his physiotherapist and just a solid part of his team and his inner circle. I don't think it was an announcement that anyone was expecting to be made. I hadn't seen anything about it beforehand. And to be honest with you guys, it gutted me a little. I am so used to seeing the two of them together when all the drivers are getting ready for the race or seeing her in the Merc garage during a race. So it's gonna be strange not seeing her around the team and with Lewis, but I'm wishing her all the best for her future and whatever next steps that she's taken and I'm sure she's gonna be on to some absolutely great things. But yeah, all of that news came before we actually got any of the cars on track. I told you Saudi was a little bit of a busy one. But what actually happened when the cars hit the track? To the surprise of absolutely no one at all, the Red Bulls seemed to dominate every practice session with no issues. Max hadn't been in Jeddah for media rounds on Thursday since he was recovering from a stomach bug, but had absolutely no problems when he got into that car on Friday. They're pulling away from the pack pretty easily, let's be honest here, and I know Max was saying last race he didn't think the gap would be as big in Saudi to the other teams as it was in Bahrain, but I mean, come on, who who was believing that? I wasn't. I don't think any of the other teams believed that either. Ferrari, on the other hand, had some pretty quiet practice sessions. Nothing wild, nothing amazing, but some decent laps and race pace just trying to get through their programs and maybe just a little bit tentative with the new engines in the car. I don't know whether they didn't want to push the engines too much when they knew they didn't really need to or whether this is just something that they want to do this year, just hold a little bit more back in practice and turn the engines down during then and really unleash everything during quality and the race. At the other end though, Alfa Romeo seemed to be struggling a little bit during practice The car definitely, to me, looked stronger in Bahrain, but in practice, they seemed to consistently be down towards the bottom half of the board. Things weren't really falling into place with them, but I feel like we're just going to get that a lot with the midfield cars. Not a lot of them are completely suited for every single track that is on the calendar, and there are a lot of them. So we get certain races where a team might do really well, and then the next race they might fall down the pecking order a little bit, and with Saudi it just seemed that it was Alfa Romeo's turn here. Quali was when the fun really began though, and Quali in Saudi is always a really interesting one. There isn't a whole load of room for mistakes at this track. The walls are so close and come at the drivers so quickly that they all really need to be at the top of their game to pull a perfect lap together. The smallest hesitation or lapse in concentration can end a quality session, much like we saw with Max in 2021. And there was definitely some action to be had here. Logan did not have the best quality session. He actually set a pretty decent time in Q1 right at the start, but that got wiped out after he was seen to be going over the track limits, and after that it didn't get much better for him there. He had a lot of time to set a new lap because, like I said, he had set that first lap right at the beginning of the session, but he spun on his second push lap, and if I'm honest with you, I can't believe he didn't hit that wall. It looked so, so close to it, especially with the smoke coming up. 
Thankfully though, there was no damage that we could actually see on the car and he managed to get out for another push lap again right towards the end of the session. Only this time he ended up stopping on track and not even being able to set a representative time at all during qualification. It must have been such a gutting feeling for him and the Williams, especially after what happened in Bahrain for him as well. The team and the car looked like it had some decent pace and I thought he would have been able to get through from Q1, but luck was just not on Logan's side this weekend. Lando was another driver that just did not have a whole load of luck on Saturday. He had a brush with the wall and it caused a bit of damage on the car that the engineers just were not able to fix in the time that was left in that Q1 session. He is really not having a great time of it in quality over the last two races and I don't know if that's affected his morale in any way. I know a lot of the drivers say no, you know, they're keeping their chin up and their head up and everything is fine, but it does have to get you a little bit. The McLaren just isn't the fastest car on track right now and when you pair that with also having to start at the back of the grid, then Sunday is just going to end up a pretty hard day to get through. Unlucky drivers also turned up in Q2 though, and this time in the form of Max Verstappen. Now, I had predicted him to get pole for Saudi Arabia. The Red Bull was fastest in all three practice sessions, so there was nothing really stopping them from doing it, except for reliability. Max ended up needing to limp back to the garage with a drive shaft issue that meant he ended up in P15 and knocked out a Q2. Definitely not something that I had expected from the Red Bull, but reliability problems are the one thing that we really can't predict in this sport, and the RBR garage really did not seem too happy about it either. It wasn't like it was all bad news for Red Bull, though. Checo ended up getting pulled for the second consecutive time at this track, with Charles and Fernando behind him. The Astons were once again showing that they had pretty solid one lap pace. Carlos was a little unlucky in Q3 to be fair. He had to abort some of his quick gaps because of traffic and pit lane exits. And honestly, I really do not like the pit lane exit in Jeddah, especially when it comes to quality. The drivers coming out can't really see who's coming up and there's no room for them to move out of the way if a car's coming up on a fast lap and just zooming past. I just think it's a bit of a weird place to put it but it's not like they're going to change it anytime soon but yeah I think that ruined some of the fast laps for him there. Ooh just a quick shout out to Oscar Piastri though who managed to get into his first Q3 session genuinely was fairly impressed with that and he managed to get into p8 with his time so it was a pretty good showing for him and i think it probably gave mclaren something to smile about finally on to the race saudi has been absolute chaos before and i was kind of expecting the same this year some safety cars red flags everything we've usually seen when we come to the circuit but the race was actually pretty tame compared to usual. Thankfully, we didn't get any big crashes or shunts on track like we have in the past, but on-track action felt pretty limited, especially at the front of the field. But yeah, that just seems to be the norm now. I don't even know why I bother complaining about it to you guys. 
After Max's quality issues though, RBR ended up changing his rear suspension, both of his drive shafts, and then also decided to change back to the gearbox that he had used in Bahrain. And that was a little bit strange to me at first. I don't know whether in general RBR were just trying to cover all of their bases here, or whether they just weren't too sure of the problem, but that was a lot of change before the race. I did wonder whether the Saudi spec gearbox was a different spec to the Bahrain one and maybe it just wasn't performing as well as they expected it to, but I'm pretty sure under Park Fumé you get a penalty if you don't replace like with like, if the spec changes a little bit you face a good penalty. So maybe there was just more wear after the issues Max had than what they were expecting after Quali, who knows. But yeah, like I said, a lot of changes, but I think Red Bull just wanted to make sure he was going to be able to get to the end of the race with minimum issues. The first corner of the race was pretty calm. All the drivers managed to get through it with little issue, no one trying to push people off track, no one really bumping into the side of another car, so that was always good to see. But Oscar's luck apparently could only last for Quali because he had some contact with Pierre in that first lap and part of his front wing went flying. So he had to come into the pits for a new one and then went on to the hard tyres at the same time. And he stayed on those tyres for the rest of the race. Didn't even bother pitting again. So what I will say was that was extremely impressive tyre management from him and at least he did actually manage to finish a full race distance this time around. At this point, the McLaren isn't winning any races, let's be honest. The pace is so far off, so I think the best thing for Oscar to do right now is just get as many laps in as he can and to learn as much as he can in these races. McLaren then also needed to box Lando for a new front wing during lap 3, I think it was, and... To be honest with you guys, at this point, there wasn't really much of a race for either driver after those two pit stops. They ended up at the back of the grid, and there was a time that the McLarens would have been able to battle through the grid and get into the point positions, but it just wasn't happening for them this race. They stayed right at the back, really. The pace for them this race just wasn't really there, and I don't know where McLaren is right now. We didn't get a proper reading in Bahrain because Lando had engine issues that he was running with and Oscar had to DNF. I can't tell whether it's something to do with the track, is it the engine, is it the car aerodynamics? I really can't tell but the past two races have just been awful for them and I don't know how they plan on fighting back because for the second race in a row they're walking away with no points. They are bottom of the constructors and they are one of the two teams that have absolutely no points. Definitely some worrying times for McLaren fans and maybe some worrying times for the team right now. Esteban managed to have a much, much quieter race this time around, which I am so glad about and probably wasn't the most difficult thing to achieve either, let's be honest. Alpine, I feel, just had a much better weekend out in Saudi compared to Bahrain, kind of performing where I would expect them to, but I do think there's potential for both of the drivers and there's more to get from that car. Honestly though, at this point, I'm just glad we didn't see a million penalties for Esteban this race. Instead though, he ended up passing some of those on to Fernando. 
he ended up getting a five second time penalty right at the start of the race for being out of position in his grid box. And this was the same issue that Esteban had in Bahrain that caused his face penalty. It's just strange because this wasn't really an issue that we had coming up last year, but we've had it come up twice in two races now. I can't tell whether it's just a coincidence or whether the FIA might have tightened up on some rules and might be clamping down on it a little bit more this year. But yeah, Fernando ended up serving that penalty during a safety car pit stop, which is completely allowed, there's no issue with that. What isn't allowed though is touching the car before those five seconds are served. And just like Esteban, the FIA found that the Aston Martin team had started working on the car before that penalty was served. And look, that's fine if that's what they found, right? It's a breach of the rules, so I get it. What I don't quite understand is why it took over 30 laps after everyone across the finish line and the trophies had been given out for the FIA to decide that that was a penalty. It definitely did not take them that long to decide with Estee. That was a quick decision that they made. So I'm really not sure what happened there. But yeah, they applied a 10-second post-race penalty, which ended up giving George a podium. And I kid you not, just as I was about to record this episode, the documents and the news came through that Aston Martin had appealed the decision. The FIA had seven videos, seven different videos that were showing them that the jack had touched the car too soon. But somehow, and I, I don't know how, Aston had managed to argue that the alleged agreement between the FIA and the teams that touching the car in any way, including the jack, meant that work was being done on the car was wrong. And they managed to argue it well enough that the decision was overturned. Honestly, I am so impressed that Aston managed to get away with that after seven videos worth of evidence. I want to be in the steward's office for that, guys. Like, I am the steward's office, why am I not there? I want to see that decision being made. Like, what was the flat-out argument? How did they present that argument to the stewards? But yeah, kudos to them, and that was probably the most impressive thing that I heard slash saw over the course of this weekend. It was a bit of a game of hot potato with that trophy, though, and for the F1 media admin to be like, yep, here's Alonso's podium, nope, it's going to George, actually wait, we're giving it back to Alonso, but honestly at least Fernando has now been able to celebrate getting his 100th career podium, which is a massive achievement and congratulations to him for that. The other Aston Martin probably had the worst time of it though, to be honest. Lance ended up being told to stop on track and had his first DNF of this season. My heart just sank when I heard that radio message. I have been willing Lance to get a podium soon, and he had such an amazing start. He had an amazing move on Carlos, and then managed to keep him behind him. I just thought he did some really impressive work in the opening laps of the race. It looked like he needed to stop because of a brake issue, but I've also heard rumours of it being the exhaust or the ear system, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on there right now. I'm hoping that it's not going to take a lot to sort out and we'll be okay and up and running for the next race, but 
between the DNF and then Fernando's penalty and not penalty, I don't think Aston were riding on the same high that they were in Bahrain. But they still have a lot, a lot of positives to take from this race. I mean, the pace on both of the cars was so good. And I think this is really starting to solidify their place this season now and sort of where they are and where the team is heading. And look, yeah, they're not really up to scratch to compete with the Red Bulls right now. Not for more than a few laps at the very least. But I think Ferrari and Mercedes are definitely going to struggle with Aston being there now. I think that's going to end up being their main competition. Lance wasn't the only DNF of this race though. Alex ended up having to retire from the race after bringing his car back to the garage. He'd said on the radio that the brakes weren't working properly and after trying to do one more lap to see if it was something the pit wall might be able to resolve or if it was a problem that could resolve itself, he ended up DNFing. Another gutting one because Williams were definitely not having a bad weekend but I feel like this is just starting to highlight some of the reliability issues across nearly all of the teams and it's a little concerning to me. We are two races in and seeing engine issues, issues with brakes, issues with drive shafts and I know at the start of the season things like this do happen. The teams are just trying to iron out problems with the new cars that they've built and all of that but for me right now I think the engine issues are the most concerning thing. We haven't had a big reg change on the engines If anything, the regulations for the engines have been frozen. So I really don't know how the engines are going to end up surviving for the rest of the season if this is what's happening in the second race. I just, I have a feeling this is going to be a season where we see a lot of grid penalties across all of the teams just for exceeding the number of parts allowed across all of the different parts, not just the engine, but anything that you can replace. Because right now, reliability is not looking good across the grid. Ugh, guys, I, I don't even know what to say about Ferrari at this point. I'm really surprised by their race pace and not in a good way. Charles, to be fair, had a pretty good start when he was on the soft tyres, and he didn't have a lot of issues sort of cutting his way through the field, but Carlos did lose some places at the start of the race, and then really struggled to make them up again. The second stint on the hard tyres for both of the drivers, though, where the heck had the pace gone? I just wasn't expecting them to end up behind both of the Mercedes. Their predicted race pace from the practice sessions hadn't put them behind the mix, but that pace just did not materialise during the race at all. Charles seemed a little disheartened after the race, Frederick Vasseus admitted that this was not a good race for them, and I'm not even sure they know the direction that they need to take in order to improve the car at this point, but it's just not looking good for them. The drivers and the team definitely need a better race in Australia now because they're trailing behind Aston and Mercedes and I would have expected them to be ahead of at least one of those teams at this point. Team radios for this race were interesting, mainly between RBR and Ferrari. We heard a message between Charles and his engineer Xavi during the safety car after Lewis had pitted. 
Lewis was basically sandwiched between the Ferraris with Charles behind him, and Xavi had given Charles some information to try and help him overtake Lewis at the restart, or at least try and get an attack on him. But the information was way too late for Charles to do what Xavi had said, and you could just tell how fed up Charles was at that point. The communication between him and his engineer has not been great, and for me, that's a little bit of a concern. Xavi just seems to be letting things slip up and giving information a little too late for Charles, and it does end up having an impact on the race, on quali, on certain things in practice if he ends up impeding. For the life of me, I could not tell you what the delay is, what is going on. Whether Zabi's just not switched on, whether he's not paying attention, whether the information is just coming too late, I really do not know what is going on, but it's just getting exhausting at this point. And finally, what was probably the most interesting radio message that I heard came at the end of the race with Checo. He was basically told that he could slow his pace down a little bit, He was leading the race, had a nice comfortable gap with Max, so easy RBR 1-2. And you would think, yeah, there's not really a reason to keep pushing the car, especially with the issues that Max had in quali, in case there's an issue with the engine. Let's not push it. And Sergio was fine with that, because he thought that same info was being given to Max as well, so Max would be slowing down. And when he asked the team about it, asked about Max's lap time, he found out that Max would end up doing quicker lap times if Sergio slowed down, and understandably, he was not happy about it. A race win is great, but he was getting his race win after getting pole, and then a fastest lap would just be the cherry on top of the cake. And it does also mean an extra point in the championship, and it goes down to the wire sometimes, guys. You need to take every point that you can get. And this point in particular would have made him the championship leader after this race. In the end though, RBI did let him push, but Max ended up with the fastest lap point anyway. But I think it was just the principle of being allowed to try and get that lap. Other than that though, it was a bit of a bad day for Yuki and Valtteri. Yuki was on the cusp of a points finish, but an overtake from Kevin meant that he lost that, And with Valtteri, he ended up with some damage on his car and finished last of all the cars that crossed the line. So, not the greatest race for either of them, but hopefully Australia will show some improvements. Especially for Yuki and AlphaTauri in general, who have yet to score a point this season. They are in a battle for the bottom of the table with McLaren right now. And if I was gonna guess who was more likely to stay there based on history, I mean, I would say it would be the AlphaTauri, but at least they are within touching distance of the points. Let's be honest here though, guys, second racing, and I'm still a little bored. Where are all the good battles gone? Where's all the excitement? When are we actually gonna get racing cars racing? Next up is Australia, and maybe that might provide some better racing. I'm not holding my breath at this point though, guys, I can't lie. I am expecting Red Bull to run away with the lead, but when I look at the time difference that Ferrari had with Aston and Mercedes this weekend, yeah, it's not great. 
and I'm hoping that this is just a one-off bad track for them, but people had said that this should have been one of their strongest tracks. So honestly, at this point, who knows? But if that gap keeps increasing between those three teams, we're really not seeing anything up at the front. We are just going to have to wait and see how this development race goes now. I think that's what I'm now waiting for over race weekends, is to see what upgrades people are bringing, what they're doing, our car concepts changing, and maybe then we'll get some better racing. Maybe going to different tracks will help, I don't know. But at this point, 2023 so far has disappointed me in terms of F1. And just before I sign off this podcast, the top three on my power rankings are Fernando, Sergio and Charles. Check out my TikTok at stewards underscore office to see the full list. I use a spreadsheet basically and I'm tinkering with it at the moment to find out where the drivers would place in my own version of a power ranking. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and give it a five-star review. Next week, I'm going to be catching you guys up on all the news and the rumours that have been floating around the paddock. So, I'll see you guys the next time. You're summoned to the steward's office.